All right, once again, let's see if we can get Brother, um, Brother Piper on the, there he is right there. Brother Piper, good evening to you from here and good morning to you over there. It is 10 o'clock in the morning in, uh, in Australia. They're 15 hours ahead of us. So he has already lived Wednesday and he made it through it. Isn't that great? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so we're so glad. We love you, Brother Piper. We're very glad that uh, you are here with us. I'm going to stay on the platform. There's a few things I'm going to do and show some things, but I want us to get, get attentive wherever you are. If you do not have a sheet, does everybody have a stop track? Does anybody not have one and needs one? Anyone not have one that needs one? Hold your hand high in the air, if you would, please. Okay, very good. We've got it. Let's follow along with uh, Brother Piper. Thank you very much for being with us this evening. Of course, a very faithful, studious servant of Christ that's not uh, so studious, he's not faithful to win people to Christ. How many remember Brother Michael Garamy coming with us, an Iranian man who has been preaching the gospel? He was saved under the ministry of Brother Piper here, and so have been hundreds and thousands of others. So let's listen carefully. Let's learn some things about how to share the gospel with others in our time. Thank you very much, Pastor Wilkerson and dear friends of First Baptist Church Hammond. I hope you can hear me okay. Is that okay? Can you hear me? Everything's fine. Yep, very good. Beautiful. Very good. Okay. Um, the stop track that I use is an updated version um, which has on the front the timeline of the events of the second coming, rapture, uh, tribulation, return of Christ, millennium, new earth, and so on. And it's got underneath that a heading here called Prophecies of Jesus' Second Coming Being Fulfilled Now, Prove God in the Bible, which says 18. The, pur the purpose of updating this is so that people, a lot of people think, oh, I know all about the Bible. But this shows many new concepts that they never thought about before. And many people um, say to me, oh, I don't believe the Bible. And I, how do you know it's true? And I say, well, see, you've got 18 prophecies of Jesus' second coming, which are all being fulfilled now, proves the Bible is from God. These were written 2,000 years ago. Okay. And so now... There's four stages that we go through in this gospel presentation. Stage one is starting the conversation. Stage two is verses to share and questions to ask. Stage three is how to challenge them to receive Christ as Saviour. Stage four is how to give assurance of salvation. Stage five is how to get the first follow-up Bible study. Now, there's um, two uh, ways of presenting this. The first way is in a sit-down appointment. Many people have in your in the church have friends who are not Christian. They've been talking to them for some time, and now they're open and ready to hear the gospel. And that's when you sit down with an appointment and go through this with them, asking over 100 questions so that they discover each concept, they understand it by explaining it to you, and they tick, check off their agreement. And so there's two ways we present this, two contexts. The first way is a sit-down appointment. The other way is in the street. You can give it out to people in the street and they think, what's this? And I say, this explains how to be, shows how to be happy forever 
and how to be sure of going to heaven. And they say, happy forever? That's great. Just, hey, would you like to be happy forever? And they say, yes, yes. And that's something that really connects very well with people. And so in the street I go through this in a more quick approach because they don't always have the time. But then I can slow down into the more thorough approach if their interest is aroused. And um, so, but we'll do the sit-down appointment approach, which is the preferred option, because I need to make sure that the person understands and agrees with every concept in this gospel presentation. Because if, 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 if they don't understand, if they don't agree, then that's a problem. Okay, so there's a DUA method. Get them to discover each concept, get them to understand it by explaining the answer to you and get them to check off their agreement. Okay, so we give this to them and they look at it and I say, this explains how to go to heaven and be happy forever. Have you thought about heaven and God? Yes, they say. And then I say, one question, please. If you were to die tonight or sometime, 100 years, do you know 100% for sure if you would go to heaven? And they say, no, I don't. Uh, or they might say, oh, yes, I am. And I say, why would you be sure of going to heaven? And they say, oh, because I am a good person. And I say, well, compared to Adolf Hitler, you are a very, very good person. But compared to God, none of us are as good as God. Agree? And so God has a different way of getting into heaven. And if you open this up, what I do, I get them to open it up, turn it back to front inside out like this. Can you see what I'm doing? Can you all do that, please, everybody? Now you say, why am I doing this? And the answer is because if I open it up and I'm explaining here, their eyes might be over here. You don't want that, do you? So I fold it like this so their eyes are focused on point one. Then I ask questions, I say, quick, with regard to petty number one, I say, would you be so kind to read, and I get my pen, here's my pen, and I draw a line from the top of heading one to the bottom of Romans 3.23. Why do I draw that bracket there? I do it so that their eyes are focused on the important thing I want them to look at. Fair enough? If I don't do that, their eyes are all over the place. So I put the bracket, okay? And I say, would you be so kind to read the first heading and the verse, please? Pastor Wilkerson, would you like to read that into the microphone? Is that something you would like to do? I'll be glad to try. Here we go. It says, how can we know, be for sure we have eternal life? We must know four things. All have sinned, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Very good. Would you, what do you think is the main idea in that verse? I believe that we're all in trouble. We're all sinners before God. That, that's correct. All of us have sinned. Would you be so kind to take your pen and draw a circle around the word sinned in the verse, please? Why am I doing that? I'm doing it to get the person involved in the process so they don't get distracted, okay? Next question I ask, uh, what do you think sin is? Pastor Wilkerson, how would you define the word sin? It's something I do that's wrong. It's a violation of God's law. 
That's exactly correct. Sin is breaking God's laws. And as you can see, underneath we have four pictures. Can you see these four pictures? Each picture explains something about the definition of sin, some aspect of the definition of sin. Can you see, now we go through these. Can you see the first picture, please? It shows a man running away from God. This man does not care about God. He does not care about other people. He only cares about himself. This man is selfish. Do you know any selfish people, Pastor Wilkerson? Oh, yes. Some of them are in my family. Uh, That's right. And uh, we're all good at identifying other selfish people, but we're not always good at identifying ourselves. Now, uh, so sin is selfishness, okay? Now, I'm going to tell a little story here that if I say you are a big sinner, they might feel offended, but I tell them, I'm, I'll show them how I'm a, I discovered that I was a big sinner. When I was a young person, I thought I was a very good person, but God had to show me that I was a big sinner. And the way God did it was Jesus said the great commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and you must love your neighbour as yourself. This is the chief and the great commandment. And I said, oh, dear. I have never thought of loving God with all my strength. I've never thought of loving other people. I've always loved myself. That means I've broken the great commandment. That means I'm a great sinner. And I can see that my whole life was full of selfishness. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm polluted with selfishness and sin. And that led me to call on Christ to save me. So I can see that I had a big sin problem. And if I'm telling the person that I'm a sinner, then they can very easily agree that they are in the same boat. Okay, see the second picture, please. So sin is selfishness. See the second picture. It shows here that between God and man, we have a cloud called sin. This shows that sin breaks up relationships. If I sin against someone, that person feels offended and he runs away or gets angry. So my sins offend other people and my sins offend God. Agree with you? Agree with that? Yes, sir. Now, now we are sinners in two ways. Number one, we are all born with a sin nature. Adam sinned and he passed his sin nature onto all of us and we all are born with a sin nature, okay? And we sin by choice. We get tempted and we do the wrong thing and we get into trouble. And so sometimes I, my, my children might have a little bit of a dispute between them and I say, where did you get your sin nature from? Then I say, oh, you got it from me. Oh, dear. Okay, right. Fair enough. Okay? So we're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. See the third picture? It shows a scale of zero to 100% goodness. God is 100% good, but we, compared with God, would be about 0% on the same scale. If you compare yourself with terrorists, you're a very good person, but compared to God, nobody is as good as God. Agree? Yes. And so... the. So sin is coming short of God's perfect standard, his glory. The fourth picture shows the Ten Commandments. What we're going to do now is have a look at these, and if you think you have broken any one of these, put a circle around the number next to the commandment, okay? Number one, can you read number one, please? No other gods. That's right. I am the Jehovah your God. You shall have no other gods before me. This says we should put God first, but how often, has any, have you ever put something more important than God? Money, pleasure, sports, study, self. Ever done that, anyone? If yes, draw a circle around number one, please. Number two says, can you read number two, please? No graven images. That means don't have any statues or lucky charms. Have you ever had a statue or lucky charm? (laughs) Yes, if not, don't circle it. If you have, yes, okay. Number three. Don't take God's name in vain. 
Have you ever used God's name as a swear word, saying something like OMG or I swear to God? Never said something like that? My, my father said it, the kids at school said it, so I picked up the habit as a kid, okay? And so I'd broken that commandment. Number four says... Keep the Sabbath day holy. This God gave Sabbath to Jews, but God gave Sunday to Christians to celebrate Jesus rising from the dead on Sunday. And we come to church for three main reasons. to look, Number one, to worship and praise God. And number two, to learn the Bible. And number three, to support and encourage other Christians. Amen. And have you ever missed coming to a good Bible-believing church on Sunday? Yes. Yes, we've all probably missed out sometime, so circle that one. Number five says what? Five says, honor your father and mother. Have you, this means be nice to mum or dad. Have you ever had a conflict with your mum or dad? Yes. Bit of a dispute, argument? Yes, most of us have. Number six says? Don't murder. Have you ever killed somebody? Ever killed someone? Not to my knowledge. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> very good. Very, very good of you. But Jesus says if you hate someone in the mind, it's like murder in the mind. So hatred is, murder starts with hatred, okay? Ever hated someone? Maybe we've all hated someone, and that's God Jesus says stop it at the hatred stage. Don't get to the hatred stage. And number seven says don't commit adultery. That means if you're married, you don't run off with someone else. But Jesus also said if a man looks at some woman with sexual thoughts in his mind, he's not married to, he's committing adultery in the mind. Now, most Australian men have broken that commandment. I don't know. I'm not sure about American men, but I know Australian men have broken that a lot. Okay? So, and then number eight says don't steal. Ever stolen something or forgot to return something, maybe? Yeah, most of us might have done that. Number nine says... Don't bear false witness. That means don't tell lies. Ever told a lie? Maybe. Most of us have. Most of us have. Circle that one. Number ten says... Don't covet. That means don't want things you shouldn't have. Like Muhammad coveted Zainab, another man's wife, and told her to divorce her husband and marry him, and that's... That's a sin, okay? So now, so as you can see, sin has broken the commandments of God, of which we've all broken some of them, okay? Now, underneath that, you have a black a sentence. See that sentence underneath with the black dot? Can you read that sentence, please? Yeah, we are all great sinners compared with the holiness of God. Now, I turn that into a question, and I say, do you agree, Pastor Wilkson, that you, me, and everybody in the world is a big sinner compared with God? Yes. Okay, if you agree with that, can you get your pen and draw a check? A check. See the check? Yes. Next to that black dot, please. That means he has agreed with it. He's understood it. He's agreed with it. Okay. Can you read question one underneath, please, the yeah. line? Do you want the God of the Bible to be your God? That's right. Do you want to have a friendship with the God of the Bible where you and him are close friendship, love each other, and work to help God's program advance? Yes, yes. that'd be nice. Yes, I do. Like that. Very good. Can you read question two, please? Do you want to turn from sin and come to God? This doesn't, mean, this doesn't mean that you're never going to sin again. That's impossible. But it means do you agree that sin is a problem that offends God, or offends other people, and is harmful for yourself, and you want Jesus to take your sins away? Would that be nice to, to, to have Jesus take your sins away? Yes, sir. 
Okay, put a check next to that if you agree with that one. Okay, next one. Get your, I get my pen and draw another bracket heading two to the bottom of Revelation 2014. Can you all draw a bracket? And that identifies to the uh, a person the bit that I want him to read. So, Pastor Wilkinson, would you be so kind to read the second heading and the two verses underneath, please? Yes, punishment on sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, Revelation 20, verse 14. Okay, we've just seen that we've all broken the laws of God, agree? And you might say, well, so what does that mean? Well, here it says the wages or the penalty of sin is what? Death. Death. Can you draw a peck at your pen and draw a circle around the word death in the verse, please? What what do you think says the wages or the penalty of sin, breaking the law, is death? What do you think death means, Pastor Wilkerson? How would you define the word death? Well, I'd say it's a separation. It's a separation of your body and soul physically. It's a separation from God in the lake of fire. Yes, yes. There's two deaths. The first death when our body dies, as that picture there shows, a lady whose husband's died and buried in the cemetery, bodily death. But there's a second death. Can you see what the second death is in the last verse that you read? The second death is the lake of fire. Yes. Can you get your pen and draw a circle around lake of fire, please? Okay. And so what this is saying is that because we have broken the law, the law says we're all heading to death, hell, lake of fire. Okay, now I get say so, so I draw an I draw an arrow from the law to the lake of fire and I write us next to it. Can you do that please? From the law to the lake of fire and write the word us. So what this is saying is that because we've all broken the law, the law of God says we're all heading to death, hell, lake of fire. Now, that's very bad news. None of us want to go to the lake of fire, but that raises a question. Why did God make the lake of fire? And the answer is God did not make it for humans. God made it for Satan. And Satan is an evil alien who wanted to take over the universe to steal, kill and destroy and be worshipped like God. And uh, God made a lake of fire for Satan. So Satan broke the law. Satan is going to lake of fire. Can you draw a second arrow from the law to the lake of fire and write the letter S next to that? See what I'm saying? A law, the arrow from law down to lake of fire and write the letter S for Satan. Satan is going to lake of fire. He broke the law. The law says Satan is going to lake of fire. But we also have broken the law, and the law must be applied equally to all lawbreakers. And so the law says we should go to the lake of fire as well. Do you understand? Yes. bit like if I rob the bank, I go to jail. You rob the bank, you go to jail. True? Yes, sir. The law must yes, be applied equally. Now, God understands that there's a difference between Satan and humans. Pastor Wilkson, what do you think that difference could mean? might mean what's the difference between satan and people well satan was an angel and and uh we're human beings yes that's very true there's another difference and that is that satan chose to get a sin nature but you and i we humans none of none of us chose to get a sin nature did we no we got born with one okay 
So when you and I were born, we inherited a sin nature, okay? And so death passed upon all men for all sin, okay? And so that was not our fault, was it? It was not your fault or my fault to get a sin nature. And God says, okay, I understand that. So God says, okay, I understand that Satan chose to get a sin nature, but humans did not, so I'll make a way out of Lake of Fire for humans, but not for Satan. Okay? And here we have the good news. See that Romans 6.23? There's a little line numbers 2 and 3. I've got another smaller bracket. Can you read the second part of that verse, please? The gift of God? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Very good. Can you please draw a circle around the word gift, please? What do you think the word gift means? How would you define gift? What's a normal meaning of gift? Something that is free. Exactly correct. 100% right. Just a free present. Take it or leave it. Cost you nothing. Okay? And the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Can you draw a circle, please, around eternal life? And what do you think eternal life means? To live with God forever. Exactly right. It means to live with God forever, and it means to know God the Father and Jesus Christ now as our close personal friend, okay? And who do we get eternal life through? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, can you underline, underline Jesus Christ, please? So we get eternal life through Jesus Christ. Okay, now... Can you have a look there, down about an inch from the bottom of the page? There's Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Would, and I draw, draw a bracket next to that verse, like I've done here, and I ask the question, would you be so kind to read that verse and find out what is the wrong way of getting eternal life? There's a common wrong idea out there how you get eternal life. What is the wrong way of getting eternal life, please? By works. You could read that By works. Do you want me to read it first? Yeah, if you read the verse, please, yeah. By, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So what's the wrong way of getting eternal life? By your works. Well, yeah, it says not of works. Yourself. Draw a circle around not of, not of works, please, if you draw a circle around not of works. Okay, now this, this is saying it's good to be good, okay, because you have less problems, but... Good works never cancel bad works. Agree? Agree. Like if I drive my car at 100 miles per hour through a 40 miles per hour speed zone and the police hit me with a penalty and I say to the police, I am a good Australian or I am a good American, I should not have to pay the fine. The cops say, we don't care, shut up, pay the fine. You broke the law, you pay the fine, okay? I'm a good Australian. I say, we don't care because the law looks at what you do wrong. The law doesn't care what you do right, okay? No compassion, okay? And so the law, I have to pay the penalty, okay? And so here we have, like if I rob the bucket, if I, I could be good all my life and one day I rob the bank and they stick me in jail, okay? Now, what we have... Here, so it's good to be good, but good works never cancel bad works, okay? And a lot of religions like Catholic and Islam say, oh, you're good Catholic, you go to heaven, or good Muslim, go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. The law has to be satisfied. And the law says you broke the law, 
penalties like a fire. Okay? Now, so here we have a tug of war. You know that game tug of war where two teams pull on a rope? Yes, sir. The law of God is pulling us to the lake of fire. Agree? But on the other hand, the love of God is pulling us to heaven. And so we have an illustration here. Imagine, Pastor Wilkerson, that you are a judge in the courtroom. And one day your daughter or your son comes into the courtroom and you say, son, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, Dad, I, um, I robbed the bank and the police arrested me and they say you have got to send me to jail. How would you feel sending your son to jail? I would feel terrible. So would I. I say, son, I love you very much. I don't want to send you to jail. But as judge, uh, I've got to implement the justice of the law I've, and I've got to send you to jail. Ah, ah, what a problem I've got. You understand? Yes, sir. And that's exactly the problem that God has. And so how can God resolve this conflict between his law, which is lake of fire for humans, and his love that wants humans to go to heaven? Answer, God became a man in Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins to offer us free forgiveness and eternal life. So let's turn over the page to the right-hand page to heading number three. Can you draw a bracket from the top of heading three to the bottom of Romans 5.8? Heading and three-line bracket. Okay, all done that. Would you be so kind to read the heading number three and the verse underneath, please, Pastor Wilson? Jesus took all our punishment. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Very good. What do you think is the main idea in that verse? Is that God loved us and uh, he sent Jesus to die for us. So the main words would be? Love and... Uh, or commended, but love probably, and, and Christ died. Christ died for us. Yes, that's one of the most important statements in the whole Bible. Can you draw a circle around Christ died for us, please? Christ died for us. And so what does Christ died for us mean? Well, see the picture underneath, see the cross. Think back, please, 2,000 years ago to when Jesus was dying on the cross. Underneath we have a timeline showing everyone living from Adam to the, up until the end of the world, including us living now. God knew every sin I did from the day I was born till the day I will die, and you every sin you would do, and every sin people in the past would do and future would do. And when Jesus was dying on the cross, God took all of our sins off us and put our sins on Jesus. And he looked upon Jesus as being a sinner and made Jesus take the penalty on the cross for our sins instead of us taking the penalty for our sins forever in the lake of fire. So Jesus became the saviour of all people. Can you draw a circle around the word saviour, please? Saviour means sin-bearer, saving agent or substitute. And Jesus is available and ready to be our saviour if we want him to be our saviour. Can you draw another circle around the word available, please? Okay, now in this verse here, for, uh, Isaiah 53.6, there's... Um, can you please put, I'll put a bracket next to that, and would you be so kind to read that verse, please? I can. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. 
So we turned everyone to his own way. That's sin, selfishness. And the Lord has done what? Laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our sins were laid on Jesus Christ. And he took the penalty to be our sin bearer, substitute or saving agent instead of us taking the penalty for everyone like the sky. Okay. And, and so um, gee, the, the law of God was satisfied and the door into heaven is open. You understand? So all of our sins put on Jesus. He took the penalty instead of us in lake of fire, okay? And so the door into heaven is open. Make sense? Yes, sir. You want to take that phone call? No, it's, it's, no I, I'm not going to. Thank you. <laughs> you are more important than the phone call, okay? <laughs> I got my priorities right here. <laughs> and so the door into heaven is open. And so the question is how can we get into heaven? And I draw a bracket around point number four. Can you put a bracket around heading number four? And would you? And this tells us how did we get into heaven. Would you be so kind to read heading number four, please? Yeah, number four says, Believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son, died for our sins in our place, rose again bodily from the dead, and then received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Okay. Have you heard it say that we need to believe in Jesus or believe in God to get into heaven? You've heard that expression before? Yes. Okay. Now, the question we need to work out is what does it mean to believe in Jesus or to believe in God? And the answer is there's two parts. There's a mental part A and there's a response part B. And we need to believe, the first part we need to believe is that Jesus Christ is God the Son, meaning that he's 100%, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Is that something you are happy with or you believe? I do believe that. Very good. Now, sometimes you will meet people who don't believe that. This would be Muslims or other atheists or people who don't understand it. Now, I will come to that in a moment, Okay. Because that's a cat, another category of person which we need to know how to answer. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so you've, if you agree that that is true, can you put a tick, a check next to that first black dot that Jesus is God the Son, 100% God, 100% man, okay? Next one, we need to believe Jesus died for our sins on the cross to be, take the, to be our saviour, to take the penalty for our sins. Do you agree with that? Yes, sir. If yes, if you believe that, please put a check next to that second black dot. And we need to believe thirdly that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is alive today. You believe that? Yes. Very good. If you do, put a check next to that one, please. So this means that you are 90% into heaven now. If you believe those three things, you're 90% into heaven. Okay? The next part is the easy part. All we need to do is to tell God, I am a sinner and I receive or ask Jesus Christ to be my saviour. And what happens? Can you read the next three lines? What happens then? Draw then a bracket there. Are given free forgiveness and eternal life right now. This means that you now accept Christ's blood sacrifice on the cross as the full payment for your sins. Trusting Christ alone to save you and not your good works or any religion. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin, we get free forgiveness, we get eternal life, and it means we're trusting Christ to blood sacrifice alone to save us, not our good works, not any religion. Fair enough? Happy for that? Yes. Agree? 
Now, you've got three pictures. The first picture here shows on the left that God is offering a gift to every one of us. When we receive Christ as our saviour from sin, the middle picture shows our sins and our guilt coming off, and the third picture shows Jesus taking the penalty on our behalf. Make sense? Yes. And would you be so kind to read the bottom line, please? Yeah, we can be sure of this because of these promises God has given us to claim in the Bible. Okay, let's go to the back page now, please, to look at these promises, the contract promises that God has given us to claim in the Bible. Would you be, let's draw a bracket from the top question to the bottom of John 1, 12, please, if you could draw that. That focuses the person's I cite on the heading, the question and the verse. Would you be so kind to read the question and the verse, please? In these verses, we must do and what... I'm sorry. In these verses, what must we do and what will we become? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John okay, 1, 12. Very good. What must we do in the first part of that verse? Receive him. Got to receive Jesus Christ as our saviour from sin. Okay, so let's draw a circle. Can you draw a circle around received him, please? Got to receive Jesus Christ as our saviour. And what do we then become? Sons of God. Can you draw a circle around sons of God, please? That means technon. Sons of God means you come into God's family. God becomes your heavenly father. You're one of his children and you have a father-child relationship, okay? And you have a second birthday. Would it be nice to be have a second birthday and be in God's family? Would that be nice? Yes. Okay. I'll just tell an illustration about what it means to receive Christ as Saviour. Let's imagine you own a house and you want to sell the house, okay? You go off to the real estate agent and say, please sell my house. And he says, okay, but first I want you to sign a piece of paper where you receive me as your real estate agent. Will you trust me to do the transaction of finding a buyer, selling the house and giving you the cash? So you sign the paper, receive him as your real estate agent, and he sells the house and gives you the cash. Here we receive Jesus not as our real estate agent but as our saving agent, trusting Jesus Christ to do the transaction of saving me from my sins and lake of fire, take me to heaven, give me eternal life and bringing me into his family. Make sense? Yes, that's a great illustration. Beautiful. Let's look at the second verse, starting with four. I would draw a bracket around that one, not the second verse. And would you be so kind to read the second verse, please? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what must we do in the first part of that verse? Call upon the name of the Lord. Yes. Can you draw a circle and call, please? You've got to call on the Lord Jesus Christ to do what? Well, to save me from my sins and lake of fire and take me to heaven and give me the gift of eternal life. And what does God say we shall become in that verse? Saved. Yes, draw a circle, if you wish, around either saved or shall be saved, whichever you like. What do we get saved from? From our sin. And, yes, and from going to which place? It's hell, the lake of fire. Yes, we get saved from lake of fire, and if we're saved and we die, where do we go? To go if to we're saved and we die, if we're saved and we die, where do we go? We go to heaven. Correct. Why? Because we've been forgiven. Because we've called on Jesus to save us. And would Jesus, if we call on Christ to save us, would he say yes or no? Yes. 
He said, yes, because him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Pretty good? Yeah. Let's look at the third verse. Please, can you draw a bracket around the third verse, the last three lines there? Would you be so kind to read those three lines, please? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Verse 5. So if we have the Son by receiving Jesus Christ, the Son as our Savior, what do we also have? Life. We have life. Can you draw a circle around sun and a circle around life? Notice the word has life. That means we have it present tense right now, okay? And those people who don't have the Son of God, what's true of them? They don't have life. That's right. And the third line says that you may what? No. Yeah, that you have eternal life. Draw a circle around the word no, K-N-O-W, please, because God wants us to know for sure. See the word no? That means that God loves us and wants us to know for sure, okay? Now, which of those three verses do you like best from your own personal opinion, Pastor Wilson? I think all of them are good, but I would say I like 1 John 5, 12, and 13. That's okay. There's no right answer, but the reason I ask the question is just to get the person thinking, reviewing, and taking those verses in a bit more deeply, okay? Now, see the picture underneath, please. This shows that in life we have two ways. There's a way of death leading to hell, which all of us are born on because of sin, but then there's a way of life opened by Jesus on the cross into heaven. When we receive Christ as our Saviour, we pass from death to life and from hell to heaven. Okay? So we might ask the question, how can a person receive Christ as our Saviour? answer is we've got to claim those three promises at the top of the page. If we receive Christ as Saviour, we become a... Son of God. Son of God. If we call on Christ to save us from our sins, we shall be? Saved. And if we have the Son as our Savior, we have what? Life. Eternal life. And we can know. Beautiful. Now, those promises are summarized in that prayer. Now, draw a bracket around the prayer in the box, would you please, so they can focus everyone their attention on the prayer. Now, now we're coming to the, cha- the stage, how to challenge them to receive Christ as Savior. I say question number one, Pastor Wilkinson, would you be so kind to read that prayer and just see if it makes sense if you understand what it's saying please just read it and see if it makes sense almighty god i have sinned against you in thought in word and deed i'm sorry for this and i want jesus christ to save forgive all my sins i now receive you lord jesus christ as my savior and my god and i now call on you lord jesus to save me from my sins and the lake of fire. Take me to heaven when I die and give me the gift of eternal life right now. I now open the door of my heart and life for you, Lord Jesus, to come in and to be my Savior, my friend, and my God, forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, does that make sense to you? Do you understand what that's talking about? Yes, sir, I do. Very good. Question two, does that say what you honestly want God to do, meaning do you want Jesus to be your Savior and take you to heaven and give you eternal life? Is that what you want God to do? Yes. Okay. Well, the good thing is that God is here in this room with us right now. Agree? Yes. And God hears all that we say and he knows all that we think. True? That's correct. And if you... And if you tell that to God, God will hear you and Jesus Christ will save you and you'll be saved 
from sin and hell. You'll become a son of God and you will have eternal life and you will know it and you'll pass from death to life and hell to heaven and you'll have a second birthday. So because you understand that and because that says what you want God to do and because God is here with us right now, would you like to tell this to God now and ask Jesus Christ to be your saviour from sin? Yes. To give you eternal life. Yes, very good. To make it easy, we can pray this to God together. Would that be okay? Yes. Now, sometimes I, st- I often might start them praying and they keep praying and I just back off. Get the idea? But I want them to understand what they're praying, which I've asked them and they said, yes, they understand it. Yes, they agree with it. That's what the number three, that's what they want. So to make it easy, we can pray to God together. Okay, let's try this now because I pray bit by bit. So I make sure they understand. Let's go. Almighty God, God. go ahead. Almighty God, I have sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed. I'm sorry for this, and I want Jesus Christ to forgive all my sins. I now receive you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior and my God. And I now call on you, Lord Jesus, to save me from my sins in the lake of fire. Take me to heaven when I die and give me the gift of eternal life right now. I now open the door of my heart and life for you, Lord Jesus. Come in to my, I'm sorry, to come in to be my Savior, my friend, my God forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Very good. Would you be so kind to read the second top verse, starting with for whosoever? On the second top verse, at the top of the page. Um, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay. Just then, did you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins and lake of fire and take you to heaven and give you eternal life? Yes? Yes, I did. Yes, good. Were you honest as far as you know? Yes. Well, what does God say you are now in this verse? I'm saved. You're saved. That's right. What are you saved from? Saved from the lake of fire. Exactly correct. And if you died tonight or in 100 years, where would you go now that you were saved? Go to heaven. That's correct. Why would you go to heaven? Because the promise of God. I called upon him, and I I have it, Jesus. And would Jesus say yes or no if you call on him to save you? Yes. Yes, 100% yes. Him that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. See the top verse, please? Would you be so kind to read the top one? We're looking at the stage on how to give assurance of salvation now. That one, but as many as received. Go ahead. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Okay, just then, did you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin? Yes. And what does God say you are now? His son. One of you are the son of God, aren't you? That means you're in God's family, correct? Yes, sir. God is now your heavenly father and you're one of his children. Yes. And today is your second birthday. What is today's date? August the 17th. Okay. And would you like to write, today's your second birthday. When I say to the person, would you like to write today's date under the prayer? See there? There's a little part which is date. And if you want, you may like to write your name or sign your name next to that, if you'd like to do that. Why do I do that? Is because people six months later say, oh, what date did I get saved, Pastor? And if they didn't write it out, 
they might not know, but I write it out. I keep a record, okay, in my own notebook, okay? So the third verse says, can you read the third one? He that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So do you have the Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior now? Yes? Yes. And what do you now have? I have life. And can you know for sure that you have eternal life? Yes, I can know. Because God promised it, and God doesn't break his promises, does he? No. And can you lose eternal life? Look at the verse under the prayer where you've signed. Jesus said, John ten twenty eight. Can you read that one, please? I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. John ten twenty eight. Okay, Jesus says, I give you eternal life, they shall never perish. Put a circle around never perish, would you please? What does never perish mean, do you think? Never going to die that second time. That's what it means. Jesus saves you and keeps you safe, keeps us safe forever. Agree? Yes. Now, we have a little test to, just in case some the devil tells you you're not saved. We have a little test now to prove that you truly are saved. Can you read that verse, Romans 10, 9, at the one inch from the bottom of the page? Yes. It says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.9. So it says that you shall be saved if two things are true. The first condition, the second condition is if you believe God raised Christ from the dead, which you've already said, yes, you believe to be correct and true, but you have not had a chance to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? It means if you can tell one person, I have received the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour from sin, that means you are truly saved. Why? Because Jesus says, he that confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. Correct? Yes. And that's what we want, don't we? Yes, sir. So... So can everybody tell everyone I have received if the Lord Jesus Christ as my Saviour from sin? Want to all say that, everybody? I have received. One, two, three, go. I, I have, have received, received the, 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 Lord, the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, Christ as my Saviour. As my Saviour. From sin. From sin. And I say congratulations, welcome into God's family, happy birthday, and I shake his hand and, and clap. And uh, there was one occasion we had 29 refugees in the room and I went through this for three hours with Michael Gurmey translating and pretty much every one of them prayed and received Christ as their saviour and every single one of them told the whole classroom, I have received the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour and everyone clapped every time that the 29 of them received and confessed with him after the Lord Jesus. Make sense? Amen. And, um, and I say to them, I've got a little question for you, and I give them one of these books, and I say to them, can you have a look at the table of contents and tell me which of these subjects interest you? This is getting the follow-up Bible study. And I give them a pen. So I put a black dot next to any subject that you find interesting. And I keep quiet and let them do it. And the purpose of this is to show them that there's a lot of things of great interest that they've never thought about before in the Bible. And, uh, and when they've done it, I say, which subjects interest you? And so on. How to be happy. Oh, that's a beauty. Um, prophecies of Jesus' second coming. Oh, that's a good one. 
And I say, question two, I say, would it be possible for us to get together sometime to have a look at them? And they say, yes. And I say, when would suit you? And they say, oh, Friday night, for argument's sake. I say, whereabouts, your place okay? Yes. And I go to their place and I find that they've got a whole family of people who are not saved. So what do I do? Lead the family to Christ? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and then we have the Bible study with the whole family next time. You get it? Make sense? Yes. Brother, uh, okay. P- Brother Piper, let me real quickly. I think there's a few questions that I want questions. to. Questions. Yes, please ask the questions. And uh, here's a couple of things that I want us to ask our church family, and there may be a few of you. Why do you think he is asking everyone to circle different words? What is the purpose of that? Okay, for emphasis. Okay, keep their attention on that on that particular concept would be a would be a good reason for that. How many of you circled things? You have a pen, you are circling with me. Yes. So it allows you to emphasize the major things, which is great. He said something, he's trying to get three things accomplished. Discover the truth is is the first thing. Understand the truth. Number three, agree with the truth. D-U-A. So can we help him real quickly? What does D stand for? Discover. U. Understand. And then three. Agree. And so he's going through it very, very thoroughly. Do you, do you see it? Do you understand it? Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing. Now hearing is not just hearing something audibly. If that were the case, then our deaf brothers and sisters in this room could not be saved. It is not speaking about only hearing, it is understanding. It is grasping that. And then pastor is asking us to agree. Do you agree with that? Okay, pastor, I want to ask you something real quickly on one of these and maybe some other questions would, would exist. It's 8.12, so we only have just about to less than about five minutes to finish. But uh, I want to ask you about whenever someone, when you ask someone, uh, those three questions, do you want the God of the Bible to be your God up front? What is the reason for that? And do you have sometimes people balk at that or say, I don't know about that or I'm not sure? It's because a lot of people are from a Muslim background who have Allah as their God. And Allah is not Jehovah. And they need to and it, part of the Muslim presentation, lesson number three, is comparing Allah, Satan, and Jehovah, showing that Allah in the Quran has the same attributes as Satan, opposite to Jehovah. And the Muslim has to switch his allegiance from Allah to Jehovah in order to be true Christian. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yes, I understand that, but I'm surprised that you would put that in the in the front of the presentation. But I think you're probably, for most Christian people, they would say yes to that. But you're saying some folks who Christ is not their um, God, the God of the Bible is not their God. You're asking them up front, will you, do you want him to be your God? Yes, because also a lot of people in, like I guess, average Australians, Americans, with a, can grow up in a Christian country, they have money as their God or pleasure as their God or alcohol or footy or sport as their God, you know, or, and, they, and they should have the God of the Bible as their God, which comes number one. Love God. Do you want that to be the case? doesn't mean they're always going to do it, but do they want God to, the Bible to be their God? Okay, very helpful. Anybody else have a quick question you think would be helpful to everybody real quickly? 
Our time is running out. Yes, ma'am, Maria. Okay, whenever someone says, well, how do you know the Bible's true? I think just men wrote the Bible. Do you have a quick uh, response to that? Yes, the front page says prophecies of Jesus' second coming being fulfilled now. How did the Bible get all these prophecies correct that are being fulfilled in the 21st century? I think that's this tract is in the one I sent you in the box. So if you have that box available, there, they can access these. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. You, you have... One off their website we printed today, and I thank the guys who work on this. We do have the one he is talking about, but we did not bring that tonight, so I'll make that available to you later. Now, so if they the wanted to get... Science if, prophecy. Yeah. We, we proved the Bible for mathematics, science, prophecy, archaeology. Okay. So on that first page, you'll see there's several things that he's talking about. Show them that again, would you please? Yeah, you've got the timeline, but and we're here in the timeline before the rapture. And but there's the prophet, eighteen prophecies of the twenty first century. They're all being fulfilled right now, okay. written in the Bible two thousand years ago. How did the Bible get a future right every time? No mistakes, because it's from God. Yeah. So he's going to that first page is going to be eighteen prophecies that the Bible said that came true that you can see. Okay, very good. If they wanted to uh, download or go to the website, they can. We have the answer book at the back. We also have established in the faith books out in the foyer if you want to. That, that one book you give is excellent. I wish every Christian had that. I usually take it and give it out to people oftentimes. It's a very good thing. I would wish everyone would have at least the established in the faith book, and that's available outside. But, um, Pastor, you also have this available in YouTube, and uh, you have it online as well. Is that correct? Yes, the stop track presentation is on my, if you go to my website, keithpiper.org, and scroll to the very bottom, you've got my YouTube channel, lesson number seven, two 15-minute videos on how to lead people to Christ using the stop track. And that's what the Indians use in their Bible colleges to train their people how to lead people to Christ. And the stop track on the website is in 36 languages 36 languages. So if you meet people who are other languages, you can um, print that off and give it to them. Or if you want to add some languages that are not there, please do so. And another question I ask people is, good that you're saved. Do you know anybody else who's not saved that you would like to see saved? I say, oh, yes. Who is there? Oh, there's Ali and Muhammad and Nadia and Zara. Yeah, okay, or Bob or Tom. I say, can I grab your number so we can have a tactic? Talk to these people later. Yes, and away we go. That's called getting your referred leads. Yeah, and I think that's great. So you can print these off on the website. You can go to keithpiper.org, and you can look there, and there are uh, different 36 different languages of this. And then we also have these available, I think, in the bookstore as well to get. Thank you. Brother Piper, I'll let, I'll let you just take a few moments to maybe just a one or two minutes, if you would, please, and you can, you can sum this up really quick. Okay, okay. The, in the established book, there's three very important chapters that every person needs to know. One of them is on how to be spiritually intelligent, which is in Chapter 2, how to be spiritually intelligent. Because a lot of people are saved, but they're not spiritually intelligent, and knowing to identify sin and reject it and to choose right. Another one is Chapter 21, the spiritual war how to win it. That's so important. It's only about a 
two thirds of a page. Another one is chapter 54 called 48 Prophecies of Jesus' Second Coming Being Fulfilled Now. That freaks people out because it stuns them and shocks them that all these prophecies are being fulfilled right now. And it shows the proofs of the Bible. And I say to them, do you have any friends who are not saved? Yes, let's go talk to them. And I get the person's phone number and I ring them up on either Friday or Saturday to invite the mate to remind them to come to church. Okay? So I have a phone list and I try and ring about 150 to 200 people every Friday or Thursday, Friday or Saturday to remind them to come to church. Okay? And um, so when they get saved, you've got to type their name up. You write it in, get their name in your notebook like this. I've got a notebook with all these people's names in here. And you, you then write their name. You have a baptism list, uh, the people who want to be getting baptised, and you organise for them to get baptised and explain what that means. And you ring them up about every week. Now, there's a lot of work in that. But it's critical to establish a relationship and a friendship with the person so they come to church because they are your friend and they love Jesus and they love you for helping them get saved. And um, so there's a chapter on the Trinity, uh, chapter 45, 46, 47, which is this is the chapter on the Trinity and the deity of Christ. There it is there. And I would suggest please read that. So how can Jesus be son, son of God? How can Jesus be God? Please read that. And there's the incarnation of the Huios into Mary to give Jesus, who's fully man and fully God. And I say to people, um, that Gabriel said to Mary, that holy thing shall be born of you shall be called the Huios of God. So the Huios came into Mary to give Jesus fully man, fully God. Sometimes Jesus operated through his human nature when he was hungry, thirsty, sleepy, or died or did not know something. Other times Jesus operated through his God nature when he raised the dead, healed the sick, walked on the water, told the future, went up to heaven. And so he's a 100% man and 100% God. I say to the person, do you speak a foreign language? Oh, yes, I speak Farsi or oh, Persian. Okay, when you speak Persian, you operate through your Persian nature. When you speak English, you operate through your English nature. It's the same concept as Jesus, 100% God, the Huios, and 100% man. He's not the technon little boy of God. He's a huios, same nature as God. Thank okay. you, Brother. Brother Piper, we're going to need to conclude there. I want to thank you. Church family, would you stand together and let's give him a round of applause for his help with us this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful blessing to us. I want to thank you for your passion, Brother Piper. I want to thank you for your example of getting the gospel to people. How many feel like that you are a little more equipped to share the gospel with someone? And how many say, Pastor, I think God's even provoked me to, to do it. I think this is something many of us could do. You know, even a, just a notebook to pray and to follow up with people would be very huge for many of us. God wants to use you and he wants to use me to get the gospel to people and then help them grow so that they'll continue to share the gospel with others. And I want that to, for me, and I want that for you. And I'm praying to that end. Thank you very much for being here this evening. And, and Pastor Piper, thank you for your great help.